What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. An Ironic Media Production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Today, I have Vivica Menendez, and I am super excited about this interview. As you will see, this isn't the first time I've interviewed Vivica. I connected with her several years back. It was in the midst of my own health struggle that I started just searching online, intermittent fasting women, and trying to figure out what was going on with my body. Because this was before, way, way, way before we realized that women needed to do things a little bit differently. And the one blogger that I found that was also female that was kind of screaming from the rooftops, hey, Women need to do this different than men. The one meal a day, the constant fasting, it doesn't work the same for women. It was Vivica that was screaming this. And so I connected with her and interviewed her for the Keto Virtual Summit years ago. And I decided to bring her back on for the podcast is because she's also now transitioned into carnivore. And so we really cover a lot of stuff. We always kind of laugh behind the scenes like we're soul sisters, right? Like we both have met and we both have had similar struggles with different stuff with our health. And we understand and we try to communicate it to our audiences as to why we react differently as women than what men do when they do the same thing. You know, why do all of these guys, they can just, you know, stop eating food and all of a sudden they lose a lot of weight. And we just look at food as women and we gain weight, right? Ladies, I know you get this. I know you understand that. And the guys, you know, <laughs> you know that happens for you as well, right? I love this episode. We really dig into all sorts of stuff. We talk about carnivore. We talk about why people thrive on this. And I also just get her information or her thoughts on the perspective of becoming so fat adapted. Like when you are in ketosis for a super long time, I have had people continuously tell me like, you can't do that. 
because you're going to never be able to process carbohydrates again. And as you all know, like I do cyclical keto. I'm in ketosis, I'm out of ketosis. I'm in ketosis, I'm out of ketosis. And I do that strategically. But it's been this constant conversation that I have with a lot of people where there are some people that just think, hey, you need more carbohydrates during certain time periods in your life. Or hey, if you've been so fat adapted for so long, your body's just going to forget how to utilize carbohydrates. So we talk about that too. We're going to talk about our cycles and as we go into menopause, what shifts and and how our bodies might strategically do better with certain foods and not do better. And, and truthfully, so much of it is it's an individualized approach. What works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you and vice versa. But we're going to give you some strategies on how to get there. So what else is great is out of this episode, Vivica and I decided that we are now hosting rooms on Clubhouse. So if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, it's an app to be able to connect with others and to listen and learn. There's little Clubhouse rooms that you get to listen in on. And so Vivica and I are talking all things keto, carnivore, women's health, all sorts of good stuff over there. You can follow Vivica over at Vivica Men on Clubhouse. And you can also follow me over at Dr. Lisa O. So Dr. Lisa O. We're on Clubhouse and check out our rooms. They've been a lot of fun. You can also find Vivica at The Nourish Caveman over on Instagram as well, along with thenourishcaveman.com. And as always, if you like this episode, I'm going to ask you a huge favor. Share it with your friends and family. And also go ahead and give us a review. I would love your reviews. Because as you know, we had to rebuild this whole podcast, so we're starting over from scratch. So any likes over on Facebook or follows over on Instagram, and especially any reviews, I would love your feedback. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. I am so excited for our guest today. This is Vivica Menendez. I I know I probably just said your last name wrong, so you (laughs) pronounced your last name for me. Menendez. Okay. Hi, Aoi. It was close. It was close. (laughs) It was close. So here's the deal, you guys. Um, I, everybody that's listening, they know about my, my health struggle that I went through. And you might remember this from, I interviewed Vivica several years back for our Keto Virtual Summit when we did it. And I told her at that point, it was in 2016 that I was following intermittent fasting. I did it as all the guys you and I both know exactly the guys I was following. Um, did it really strict, basically didn't eat for a handful of months, um, did the one meal a day, and I lost my health. I tanked my adrenals. I lost chunks of hair. My hormones stopped. Like Not my hormones didn't stop, but I didn't have a period for months. And there was, I just started searching online at that point saying women and intermittent fasting because all the guys kept telling me I was just doing it wrong. And Vivica was one of those bloggers that was out there saying, hey, ladies, <laughs> we aren't the same as men. And so it was so great when we connected later because we both have the same exact, we have the same philosophy. Obviously, we're both women. We understand women's hormones really well. So right. now what I love is Vivica is also really doing a lot with carnivore. So how did you jump into that? Because I know at least for me, when I first saw people doing carnivore, my gut sense is like, this isn't right. Like you've got to have fruits and vegetables. It's going to be too acidic to be carnivore. You know, I went through all of that stuff and then I saw brilliant people doing carnivore. And I was like, they know something that I don't. 
And as soon as I started researching it, I was like, this is brilliant. And I jumped, you know, deep dive headfirst in and I felt amazing. So how did you get into the whole carnivore experiment or way of life? I guess I should say now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that Lisa, cause like when I first got in contact with carnivore, I was like, just kind of scratching my head. Like, Hmm, this is counterintuitive because we were taught, you know, fiber and veggies and get your, your nutrients from vegetables and, you know, so that part was there for me that made me question. But then there was the other part, because, you know, I come from a Western price background. And so I read the actual tome that he wrote, not Nourishing Traditions, which is the interpretation, Sally Fallon's interpretation mm-hmm. of his work. But if you actually read his work, that's where the gold is. You know, and it talks about nutrient-dense diets and indigenous, you know, traditional diets. And the diets of these, like, indigenous people that were really, really healthy, they were based on meat or, you know, meat equivalents. Like if they were a fishing village, it was seafood, of course. You know, if it was in the plains, they were, you know, eating beef. If there was the Eskimos, they were eating seals, but it was a lot of meat in there. And then the other thing I learned from traditional diets was that, vegetables and grains had to be highly processed in order to be eaten. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't just take, you can't just take wheat and just stick it in your mouth and chew it. You know, good luck doing that. And why? Because we're not cows. (laughs) (laughs) We're humans. So cows could eat some grains, even though it's not ideal for them either. But, you know, we're not squirrels. We're not just like supposed to live on nuts and, and seeds. So that was like, something that it's all little like light bulbs moments where you realize you know this is a guy that studied it was his life's work you know he spent years traveling the world and studying these tribes and doing all this scientific research that was really amazing and undervalued you know and then after there was all the paleo experiment you know and like looking at starting to look with paleo and Marxism, we started to look at ancestral diets. And I'm a big fan of ancestral anything. Like I'm, it's so just interesting for me, right? Evolution and where do we come from? How do we evolved? Like what was the most time that human beings spent in a state of like health and homeostasis? And in order to find that state, I believe we need to go back before agriculture because after agriculture has not happened anymore. So combining, you know, all these different pieces of information and like overcoming the, I think it's an agricultural, agricultural bias, you know, then we really start seeing how being carnivore makes sense in an evolutionary perspective, because like, if you think about all of the people that evolved in the Northern hemisphere, so we migrated from Africa where there might've been like verdant forests and luscious like prairies and tons of animals, you know, we migrated North and more North for whatever reason, but we ended up at, through the evolution process, we ended up in places where the, in winter, nothing was growing. Right. 
you know, and preserving was not the thing. No mason jars, no dehydrator mm. back then. <laughs> no refrigerators. We had our freeze like subarctic no. temperatures. <laughs> well, actually, there was a natural freezer because it yeah. was probably cold enough to preserve things yeah. with the cold. But like, you know, there was like the only thing that really could be successfully preserved was animal based. Yeah. Nutri- um, nutrition, um, mm-hmm. the animal foods, yeah. animal-based Proteins. foods. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then also the, remember that whatever is plant matter that we consider now take for granted, all the nice veggies and all the beautiful fruits, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Those are all man-made in a way because we have you know, genetically engineered through breeding and like, you know, the agriculture, the way that we eat our plant foods today. Like if you look at wild species, if you ever have eaten anything wild, very different, you know, the fruit is small and sour, it's not sweet at all. And they're hard and tart and like, ugh. (laughs) Right. And the roots are tiny, you know, wild carrots are like the size of your little finger <laughs> and they're skinny and long and there is barely any sweetness to them. Yeah. So the the plant matter was very different back then. And that's what we have evolved with. And not just that, if we look now, you know, there's, I'm talking about this book all the time now, there's a book called Sapiens. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about history of humankind. And I haven't even finished it yet. And I'm just raving about it. It's a great book. It was a New York Times bestseller. But um, it really goes into the details of evolution and what we ate as well, which is really That's beautiful. awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I had interviewed Craig Emmerich too. Right. And he, with his engineering brain, he's like, here's the science of it. And this is how our colon, like we are meant for protein. Like that is just the best way that our colon are is. And so, um, I love that perspective of it too. And I think my biggest thing is when I realized, and it was my aha, right. Because I was that girl that was always staying away from gluten and all of these different things because of how I would feel after I ate them. Right. And so it was that fact of realizing that all of the plant products secrete some sort of toxin to protect themselves from being eaten, right? Versus like an animal can run away if they're under attack, like animals or plants can't. And so those are the things that are irritants to us. And so when you eliminate that out of the diet, I mean, I love it for just figuring out food sensitivities on people. I love it just to remove inflammation out of the body, but it was also just such a like aha moment for me. And even when I initially jumped in a couple of years ago, I think I went like two or three weeks, like strictly originally. Right. And it was funny because it looked like I had dropped a ton of weight, but my scale didn't budge. And it was just because you could tell that it was different body composition at that point as well. So, um, those were just some of the things that I, like I realized, and then also the most bioavailability of nutrients are found in the flesh of an animal. Like, so really when we're sitting here thinking, well, we have to get vitamin C from an orange. Well, there's so many other nutrients that we can actually get from like the animal proteins. Right. Yeah, I agree. And for me, like at this point, so you asked me, how I got into carnivore, actually got into carnivore through a patient and was one of my rare long-term patients that, you know, I usually have people for my four-month course. This one signed a year-long agreement, like, because she was really, really struggling. And a young woman, too. 
So we started working together and we went like she was from vegan to vegetarian. So I picked her up, I think, at vegetarian at the end of vegetarian. We got into keto paleo, got her keto adapted and, you know, started playing with that. But there were some issues that were really not we could not break through. And one of those was constipation. Mm. Her gut was just not working. And she was so desperate like we literally tried everything and this is me like maybe five four years ago you know seems like an eternity now but (laughs) only 2020 makes it feels like it was a decade (laughs) yeah that's right so we like one day she comes to me and she's like I'm gonna try to do the carnivore diet and she's in Europe so we you know she told me about paleomedicina the clinic in Hungary Um, and I knew nothing about it and she got exposed to that information. So she started researching, I did, and she's like, I'm going carnivore. And I was was like, no, you can't do this. I know nothing about it. Oh my God, you're in my care. What am I going to (laughs) do? Of course I jumped in like with her. And so she did like, well, she did amazing. And within like a month, all her issues were kind of disappearing and dropping off. And she actually went to work with Paleomedicina and Dr. Clemens. And, you know, I got to interview Dr. Clemens like three years ago. It was amazing. Um, I learned so much. But also what I learned is that after three years of carnivore myself, I couldn't adapt. Um, So like there was a threshold where like, okay, your gut is going to switch and you're going to be adapted to eating carnivore. And what I realized is that, yes, I love eating meat. I can eat meat all day. It was no problem. I was feeling good, but my intestines were not happy. Okay. When you, what do you mean by not happy? Because it's interesting. I became like, constipated. Like I oh, couldn't. Kidding. Okay. Mine was, which, I didn't have any problems with it, but I've got people, I've got friends that were doing it and they're like, the diarrhea was uncontrollable. And I'm like, Right. Really? So, and I was like, no, mine, I like, I was regular. I was fine. So it's interesting. Okay. This is good. I want to hear this. Yeah. Because this is what carnivore is all about. Like, you know, all the things you talked about, about a reset diet and figuring out the food sensitivities and all of that is really on point, but why do we need carnivore and who is carnivore for? For me, it's the question is related to your microbiome. It's all about your gut. You know, and as science progresses more and more, we are like illuminated about the importance of our guts and like how incredibly important the microbiome is, all the different functions, the gut brain, you know, um, how we absorb nutrients and like, what do we need to make our gut function? So for me, I just have this kind of it's a bit of a personal theory, but it's, it came about a few years ago and now it's getting really explored. And like, I was like, Oh, I was right. <laughs> it's like, happy to be right. But it's about like, we, as, so again, back to hunter gatherers, we had a variety of foods, you know, and some, at some points we were just strictly carnivores, but we still were able to scavenge, you know, and pick and eat whatever was edible at that time. So I feel like humans are really adapted for being omnivorous and, you know, really thriving on a great variety 
of different foods. And what makes us thrive the most is this variety because it gives us all kinds of different nutrients in all kinds of different ways. And that's also, you know, explained in the book Sapiens about how Homo sapiens and like before agriculture, we were taller, smarter, healthier, you know, and the skulls pro- prove it, you know, the skeletal, skeletal, you know, remains, they prove it. So there is back to the microbiome and being carnivore. So theoretically, if you have a healthy microbiome, you do need to be carnivore. What you do need to do is eliminate all the toxic stuff. And plants, in my opinion, and this is in like healing traditions of, you know, since the history of human beings, plants are medicinal, plants are medicine, plants are also poison, you know, and don't we always say that those makes the poison? So that's plants. But in meat, you can't kill yourself eating meat, (laughs) you know? No, right? Yeah. You can kill yourself eating too much spinach. You know, at some point you'll be so oxalate toxic that you'll mm-hmm. drop that. But with me, good luck with that. You have, it's not going to happen. Right. So we started to understand the different functions of this incredible variety of tools that we have for survival, for nourishment, and how we evolved alongside these tools with kind of a greater intelligence, you know, than ours, like, but humans just evolved and, and like changed and morphed. So back to the gut variety, you know, ideally, and eliminating the toxic stuff. So eating plants in moderation, eating a variety, not fixating on just one thing, not the kale smoothie, kale spinach smoothie every morning or the tons, you know, just like concentrating plant matter, like in a smoothie, you're not chewing it. And it's like just giant bags of kale. Oh, look at this, Alan was smoothie. That mm. is toxic. But And you know, like how I just was somewhere where they said kale, even um, the organic kale is still full of pesticides. Okay. It's crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's cross cross contamination. Yeah. yeah, there is nothing almost clean at yeah, this no. point. Mm-hmm. I know. So when then do we need carnivore if we thrive on variety? Is the post post Monsanto world where glyphosates happen, and that's a big one for me because they they are an antibiotic, and what they do is they kill your microbiome to the point of permanent damage almost. And Mm -hmm. I believe that the body will bounce back from almost anything, but after glyphosate world and GMO world, people have extremely damaged intestines. Mm -hmm. And what happens then is that you can't process and absorb most foods anymore. So we need to revert back to the number one, most non-toxic, easily absorbed, Contrary to what everybody thinks, oh, meat is hard to digest. Well, if you're nutrient deficient, it is. And we do need to support your digestion when you switch to carnivore because you are nutrient deficient, right? And hydrochloric acid and zinc and all mm-hmm. those good things. Yeah. But, so let's, oh, keep going. Yeah, go ahead. Well, with the microbiome, because well, now we table. know so, yeah, so it's much of the microbiome, effect. yeah, can affect. Mm-hmm obesity and all sorts of stuff if their microbiome is off. So, um, and I find so many people just take down massive amounts of probiotics and it's not necessarily the, the way to get them. (laughs) 
Right. I know. So how do you tell people? Because I, I had interviewed Zach Bush, and that was one of the things where he said, here's the research. We know people that are on antibiotics. If they, um, we, they followed, however, um, I think it was six weeks. And they said the people after the six-week time period, the one that had their microbiome back like the best were the ones that just ate food and nourished their microbiome that way versus those even taking probiotics. So, I mean, it is, you see, everybody's taking them, but we really need to look at how we're yeah. getting it from food. Probiotics are definitely not the just key solution to healing the gut. I feel like they could be a useful crutch yeah. for a certain moment to like what they do, in my opinion, is like they support the environment of your endogenous flora. Mm-hmm. And like they just create a more friendly environment when your own strains and your own flora can like build itself back. You know, it's kind of like having the cleaning lady coming and, and clean the house so that you can be comfortable in the house and there is not like trash everywhere. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, the cleaning lady goes home. And the same thing for probiotics. They leave the gut at the end of the day. They don't colonize. Mm-mm. You know, they just give a little boost, a little help in processing things while your own gut is trying to heal. Yes. And, you know, and that said, like, there are people like that for healing, all they need is really like meat, straight meat. And in my opinion, so this is where there are different views in the carnivore world. I think that some people think that they will just be on carnivore for the rest of their lives and that's all they need and they never need to eat meat again. And I think that is a possibility. We're all different as humans, right? And nothing is exactly the same for two people. So if somebody is really super convinced that they'll do great on carnivore for the rest of their lives, you know, do it. (laughs) You know, okay, no problem. But for a lot of people, I see them, they grow out of it. And Mm -hmm. I've had several patients that have been carnivore for about a year, eight months, nine months. And then at some point it stops working. Like, for some people, it cured constipation and then like they're back in constipation. And then there are other things that need to be addressed. And I think that perimenopause and women, that has a lot to do with it. Thank you. That was what exactly I was going to go into that talking about menopause and perimenopause. So, but um, yeah, like keep going because I, I do want to pick your brain on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, See, I think there there is a factor, like I talked to my ex-patient who's now a super expert in carnivore, and she's like, oh, they're not just, they're just not doing it right. They're not doing it right. They're not eating enough fat. They're not doing this and not doing that. You know, and like, I'm pretty good at experimenting with my clients. I might not, I'm not a scientist. And like, when somebody is scientifically minded, they want to base all the results on research. That's great. You know, I think science is beautiful. Research is beautiful for the people who works for it. I am more an empirical, like hands-on, you know, clinical practice. I do my research basically on my real patients in real situations. And like, there are people that, you know, I took a few women through this perimenopause to menopause transition doing carnivore because of their gut being really damaged. And then that's what I saw over and over that when they hit that transition, that threshold where your hormones are switching, everything goes haywire. And then like, you know, yeah, we've experienced that. 
And like, I've experienced that on my own body that literally there is a moment when like everything goes haywire. And then we have to look at the complexity of the human being. Of course, when you're a 30 year old woman, you have a certain hormonal experience of life. You know, when you're 50, it will be pretty different. Yes. And the hormones are so powerful. And you know that, right, Lisa? It changes your view of life and your brain, the way you think, the way you think, look at things, everything. Yeah. So let's go into that because you and I are both um, not just carnivore, but we're always, we're not the keto, the dairy keto. We're the, we're literally both paleo keto. We were both doing paleo keto before it was ever a term. Right. Um, so here's a couple of things. Let's go, let's, let's talk this, you know, for those of us that have been low carb for decades, I literally have friends that are like perimenopausal, 10 years older than me. And they're like, Lisa, it's just crazy. You need to have carbs. And I was like, no, there are no essential carbohydrates, right? Like I, that's where I go to. So these women literally have a friend right now who's dropped 20 pounds by increasing her carbohydrates to an astronomical, like you and I would look at that and be like, holy crap. Like I look at it, like there's actually, you probably know, I don't want to drop names, but there's an app out there mm-hmm. that, and I program everything in, it will tell me to do 200 grams of carbs in a day when I work out. Like that's I don't even know how I would eat 200 grams of carbs. So first off, two questions. First one, do you think your body, if you're not eating carbs on a routine basis, that you forget how to burn them? Like you become so fat adapted that you just don't even know how to use that for fuel. So when you eat carbs, this is what one of my friends is like, I think you forget how to use them and then you gain a bunch of weight. And I was like, well, the inflammation that you would gain, right? Like this is my thought. I was like, I don't know. I think your body is pretty intelligent. It would know how to do that. And then second do you really feel like as you go into menopause that women need carbohydrates? Like this is what my friends are throwing at me. And I'm like, I just don't think you guys are. I mean, every person is individual, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like even the guys, I met guys at biohack. Like I, I love some of like, I love being a chiropractor because these people are always biohacking. Like one of the guys is like, here's the deal, Lisa. I thrive on keto. Like my body is lean when I'm in ketosis. Like it is so great. But, but to be honest, like I just don't feel my best that way. You know, where they just say, and they're like, so I do a little bit of carbs, a little bit like 50 grams of carbs. And they, they figure they, we all figure out what works best for us. So it's an individualized approach, but what, what are your thoughts on that stuff with like, once you become so fat adapted, you can't deal with any carbohydrates. Okay. Thank you for rolling your eyes because that's, that's my same thought. We're human beings. Remember this whole conversation we are just having about yeah. where we ancestral diets and like humans are like. A step above scavengers. It's like mm-hmm. us, the pigs, the rats, and the cockroaches. Yeah. You know, but that's how we survived yeah. because we can really adapt to eating a variety of diets and do it relatively okay. Yeah. I mean, look at India, like they've been vegetarians for a long yeah. time and they still produce incredibly intelligent, geniuses, people, very successful. You know, they might have different body shapes, but they're maintaining their brains and like you know it works somehow yeah. it works so I feel like with humans it's really tricky because it's not like a cat a cat is very on a set track cat is a carnivore and you can never give it spinach or it will die right. you know it needs to eat raw meat period mm-hmm. with us it's not the same it's not that clear and that's why things get so tricky and like but 
in my opinion is when we start making these hard rules black and white it's right. like this it's a train track there is no strain then then eventually you might get in trouble I don't think the body will ever forget how to burn sugar because even when you're zero carb, you still burn sugar. You make your own sugar. Your brain, it will never be completely ketone-based. If 25% of brain energy, it will still always come from glucose. That's why there is gluconeogenesis, so you can produce your own glucose, right? Right. So how can you forget to burn glucose? That's ridiculous. That's just somebody who doesn't know physiology. Yeah. And it's like, just those conversations. It's just funny because they know that I'm so keto. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it was just this little group text that we were all going back and forth. In, and she's like, well, I don't, you know, I'm like, well, whatever it was, it, each of us were individuals. We each it's going to, what works for you. Doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. Like that's the reality of it. And then also is the stress. Like there is so much, we don't know how life's going to throw at us. Like if anybody knew at the beginning of 2020 in January of February, that all of a sudden come March, we were going to be locked down for God knows who knows, like how long, you know, now that we're 2021 and it's like still happening. Like I know for me, my cortisol, levels. I'm a small business. I'm a brick and mortar, right? Like my cortisol is out of control. (laughs) So things happen. (laughs) Like we were just laughing before we even hit record. I'm like, yeah, my weight shifted this year. It's not what I wanted. I'm still working out, but there are certain things with physiology, with cortisol. Like I'm trying to get that sucker under control. (laughs) Right. And we're back to hormones, right? It's like, Hormones rule our lives, especially (laughs) women. I totally, I've been saying this for years. And that's another proof. Look at that. And like hormones also rule mindset. Again, you know, there are so many pieces of the puzzle. But, you know, honestly, this fact that as we go into perimenopause, like towards the end of perimenopause, we're about to jump into full menopause, you know, no more periods for like at least six months, you're like really transitioning now. I found out for myself as well that I could reincorporate carbs. And when I did, I actually lost more weight. Isn't that crazy? I was really fit, you know, and this is like 2019, 2018, 2017. So, you know, during those four or five years, it was like the end of my perimenopause. And like, I started eating carbs again, healthy carbs, not that much. I didn't need like 200 grams a day, but I was eating maybe 50 grams a day, 40 Mm -hmm. grams a day, maybe a hundred grams a day, some days. And they were all healthy carbs and it really helped transition, especially, I think that I don't know the, you know, not a biochemist. Um, not a doctor. So I'm more of an intuitive, you know, practitioner. But what I see with like the correlations with the patients is more tied to the thyroid health. And of course, the adrenal health. Yeah. I mean, and those are all together. Somehow, those good carbs seem to feed those pathways. Even though when I went and did all the research and dug into research as much as I possibly could, pulled up all the studies, they say that the thyroid to convert, you know, to convert T4 to T3, we only need like micrograms of carbs. And so you should be able to have those no problem. But then why does my thyroid do better? You know, and like now, so I'm like about, almost two years into menopause and like I'm eating more carbs I am meat-based 
but I'm also eating more carbs and I do eat fruit sometimes. Like I eat papaya cause I really like it and it helps my gut, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll eat some berries. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to eat greens, mm-hmm. you know, I try to eat non-cruciferous greens. So I'll have romaine lettuce almost every day and I make it in 20 million different ways. I like mm-hmm. to have some mushrooms sometimes like, I really like squashes. So I love acorn squash. This is how I get my carbs. I try to avoid eating the same thing all the time. And this is thanks to the carnivore experiment too, where before I might've eaten sweet potatoes every day for my carbs. And then I was like, oh darn, you know, like phytotoxins. No, okay. (laughs) You know, like, I I used to do a bunch of spinach. I'm like, oh darn it, oxalates. Sometimes we know too much. <laughs> yeah, right. And, but it's kind of like a minefield a little bit. But this is what we evolved to to navigate, like, you know, as we harvested and hunted and we moved from one place to the other, we were perfectly in tune with what nature was giving us. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a giant field of spinach. Yeah. There was maybe a little plant here and a little plant there, you know. And then if it was that plant in a big field it was only for like a week and then it was yeah. gone you know yeah. and that's what I love you saying like this because it's funny one of my friends had texted me yesterday she's like what do you think of intuitive eating I'm like well I think it's I mean it's kind of like what I talk about like I teach my women especially when they're in ketosis and they're still cycling like you've got to pay attention intuitively like when you're craving those carbs because I always kick people out of ketosis like it's literally just I want them to do that I don't want their body to adapt And I'm like, we all know like whether we're craving more carbs during our cycle or some women it's during ovulation, you know, it's just like intuitive that way. And she was like, well, no, I'm seeing the intuitive eating of, I didn't realize this was a thing that people were talking about intuitive eating. Like, oh, if I feel like eating a Twinkie today, that's, I was like, oh my God, that's not right. (laughs) I was like, that's just an excuse to eat shit. Like that's what that is. Yes. So I'm like intuitive, like really, like how, how were our ancestors? Like, is it okay? And I'm playing now recently, like I'm still cycling. Right. So, um, like from day one to 14, I am really, I'm doing the let's lift heavy. Like this is estrogen. I want to build muscle now. Like, and Hey, my body could adapt to a little bit more carbs. Let's do it that way. And then 14 to 30 or 28, whenever my period starts, like that's, I'm like, all right, we'll do a little bit lower, like just more, maybe just gentle cardio type stuff. So I really just love the biohacking that way to see how best to fine tune. But, um, yeah, when you talk about intuitive, that's what I think of intuitive eating. So it was just this funny conversation with one of my chiropractic friends. And she's like, I have a patient telling me she wanted to like gut whatever. And so she went and ate. That was like, no, that's a, Hey, I want to eat crab. Like that's stupid, but people will justify things. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I think there are two kinds of intuitive, intuitive mm-hmm. eating an educated and an non-educated. uneducated. Yes. <laughs> or like, you know, intuitive eating should be an evolution, mm-hmm. not where you just start, because if you just start and you don't know anything, then you're going to go to the supermarket. And you're like, my intuition tells me to eat a pint of ice cream. Like and every morning, loops. Thing in the morning <laughs> and fruit loops on top of it and a bunch of like maple syrup and chocolate syrup and have me like glowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what uh, well, you do with things a little bit different. And this is what I was just thinking of too. This is the same chiropractor. This is so funny. I should have told you this even prior to the show, but since we're recording, it's fine. So, um, you know how your friends are always just like, oh, you don't really know much, right? At least my friends do that. <laughs> Lisa, uh, whatever. It's just Lisa. So I had a chiropractor reach out to me a couple of years ago. Um, 
a good friend of mine. I hadn't talked to her in a while. And she's like, I got to tell you this. I'm like, what? She goes, this patient walks in and she's like, oh my gosh, um, I was listening to this doctor about intermittent fasting and keto. And it was just so great. Like you have to listen to this podcast and she's going through and literally she pulls up your podcast and it was the podcast of you interviewing me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this is my, like one of my besties who was just like, Lisa, you don't know what you're talking about. She was like, Oh my God, like this was you. She sent me your podcast with this Vivica lady. And I'm like, oh, so the girl that didn't know anything now your patients are listening to and learning from, huh? (laughs) So I just thought it was really funny. So she was like, listen, this woman had this horrible experience because she was following intermittent fasting with how the guys did it. And I really think she's right on. Like these two ladies knew what they were talking about. I was like, yeah, actually, remember when I wasn't talking to anybody because I was going through my health crisis? Like, that's what it was. (laughs) So, well, this is how we learn, right? And like, I don't like the term healer because I think that we all heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that we heal is healing ourselves. But as a healing role model, you know, this is the only way that we learn is through our own experiences. So we somehow we have to fail in order to like learn and then teach other people or embody. And then we, and then we understand exactly where they're coming from. Right. Like that's the thing. It's like, I have been there. I have, I didn't talk about it even on your show. I just said how much hair I lost. And I'm now talking about it as in I was sitting in my hairstylist chair when she's like, Lisa, I need to show you something. And I laughed at her and I was like, what do I have bald spots back there? And she just looked at me and she spun me around and I had bald spots on my head. Like, like I always said, you know, like, yeah, I lost a ton. It's all grown back though. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I understand how horrible that is. I understand what it's like to wear your hair in a ponytail for a year because you're scared to death. What happens if it falls down? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so, but there is light at the end of the tunnel and going through and healing through that. Because again, like I said, all the guys, oh, Lisa, you're not doing it right. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. You need I, to I, fast more. <laughs> yes. Um, I wish there was. I think that it's been a really good collective learning experience. Mm-hmm. So, like for all of us to do keto, keto paleo, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's been an evolution and carnivore has been kind of like the last phase of that evolution. And now for me personally, I'm at the point where I eat a meat-based diet. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to define it like that, or I call my diet like a healing diet, wow. depending on the days. And days I'm not so good and like having all the healing foods. And yeah. then it's just like a coping diet. <laughs> <laughs> this is my stress out diet. But even like when I eat bad, quote unquote, eating bad, it's not bad. Right. Like in comparison. And like you had just said, like if we're doing carbohydrates, it's like 50 grams of carbohydrates from a sweet potato. Like it's, you know, or I mean, this weekend I had, um, I was visiting a friend. And so she was like, how about smoothies? She didn't eat like me. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess we can do this. I mean, it was the first smoothie I've had in a year, but like, that's my bad eating. Come on. Exactly. That was a grain drink. Totally. I had the same experience. I visited a friend and he made me a smoothie and we went on a hike and I was like, well, if I'm going to go on a hike, I can actually have a smoothie. It'll be all right. I'll survive. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we went walking, we're walking for like a mile and a half or not a mile, an hour and a half. And I was like, this is fine. I've got, you know, they threw the berries in there and like whatever else, but then, and then they threw kale. I was like, she's like, let's take out the spinach. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then I was like, I'm not going to get so picky to be like, can you take that kale out too? (laughs) No, that if somebody wants to stick kale and spinach in my smoothie, I won't drink it. Sorry. 
Yeah, and maybe I will drink avocado and berries and oh, maybe some cacao, but I'm not gonna drink spinach. Yeah. Spinach is kind of off my list of things. It's got I think it's a troubled veggie. <laughs> I know with all the oxalates, I did a whole class and I felt so like I felt like I over I was gonna say sad, but I don't feel sad. Um you know, all these women that were wanting to help improve their diet. And then I was like, and then we have this. And I was like, oh my God, I just totally overwhelmed them. I'm like, okay, just let's just look. At so it's all in, it was a couple of years ago. I mean, I was eating spinach like two to three times a day or, you know, and then I kind of dug up on the oxalate. So, mm-hmm. okay. Where else, what other information you got? Like share with them where they can find you and all your books and all that good stuff too. Yeah. The new book. Um, are we doing video? I can show you the book. Oh, you can show the video because at some point we'll put this up on YouTube, but in the meanwhile, we will always have the audio going. <laughs> Andy, right? So this is the latest book. Yeah. Uh, the carnivore diet cookbook. So let's talk about the cookbook. I love this, but literally like it was funny because I had a couple of friends and um, I'm sure by the time this comes out, all you can share it. The podcast is kind of in a hiatus right now because um, the old name of the podcast turns out was it was trademarked. So um, I'm in that process of pulling it all. But I had some friends that were like, has anybody heard about carnivore? I said, I have this great interview with Craig Emmerich. I can't show that, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. here's the deal, whatever. And they're like, well, what do I eat? I'm like, you eat meat. <laughs> right? Well, it's how do you, cook it? Like, you, think, you can cook it however you want? It's like, it's not that complicated, folks. Like, right? Like I eat steak five days. <laughs> You're like, you know? yeah. so what, what's in the cookbook? Just fill me in on that. I haven't ever seen a carnivore cookbook. So the, this cookbook actually has something that I think it, I think it's not, is largely missing in the carnivore space, which is three different styles of doing the carnivore diet. And we don't talk about that a lot, but this is about, again, the healing and who needs carnivore for what. Mm-hmm. And carnivore as a healing diet. So for me, there are three different ways of doing carnivore. And we call it this, like the purest, like really strict meat and water and salt. And that's it. It's you like know? Jordan Peterson, right? Is that who it was on Rogan's show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also like Sean Baker is kind of like that. Although he eats shrimp once in a while, but it's just mostly meat and water and salt. Or water or water. <laughs> and, so, and in the book, I really explain all the detailed reason, who is it for and why. And then there are the ancestral. So in the ancestral, for me, it was the one where we reintroduced some sugar and like sugar, like honey and a little bit of fruit. Like, and this is like reintroducing carbs. And it would be an example of people that could use that diet is like athletes that are training and they need to do some carb loading, specific kinds of performance where you need a lot of glycogen in your muscles. It's really hard to do with strict carnivore. So carnivore plus, you know, the little bit of strategic ancestral carbs, you know, and Paul Saladino, I was watching a video. It has this beautiful video just came out about honey and he's Mr. Scientist research guy. And he did a lot of research around why honey is actually not as bad as you think. It's not just pure fructose shot in your vein. 
you know, so there is research now coming, not just your intuition and, you know, intuitive knowledge that honey is not so bad. It's especially it's like pure, raw, local honey, you know, organic, non-toxic, all that stuff. And then the third way is the nutrient dense. And that one for me is, you know, really focusing on like things like organ meats, eating nose to tail. And of course my book is nose to tail because I am, you know, very kind of firm nose to tail eater, if yeah. not wasting anything of the animal. Right. And the nutrient dance is more for like fertility, you know, and like women who um, are breastfeeding and they still want to stay like mostly carnivore and people who are preparing to have a baby or, you know, people who are in um, recovering from illnesses um, so just really boosting the nutrients and how to do it and how to cook those organs and how to integrate them into your diet. What would you say for somebody that's like transitioning into carnivore? They're still working out, but you know, they want to lose weight. Would Are they fine doing the very strict like meat and water or should they be incorporating? Do you think they've got enough fat stories and stuff that they could, they could get away with doing their workouts without the honey or the fruits or without the berries? It depends like where they're coming from. So if they come from being keto adapted, I think they can switch to strict carnivore, meat and water, the purest. Otherwise they probably need some steps because it's like going, slamming your body from like fifth gear into reverse. Right. 60 miles per hour, like crunch. Exactly. Going through the keto flu and all that horribleness. Yeah. And just like you need time to adapt. And because carnivore is a very low carb diet, the most benefit for you, the easiest way to dip in is to be keto adapted already and having like all those adaptations, they're real physical adaptations. They help you burn fat. And then like, you can just go slide right into carnivore without basically having any problems. Yeah. I love it. What about, um, while they are working out though, what if they have been carnivore? And I mean, I, I, cause I, this is it. I'm following certain people that are super, athletes but they are super just strict carnivore zero carb so like zero zero carb right i mean but they're still adapting that way like you you wouldn't necessarily say they absolutely need to go and get some honey or whatever for the glycogen stores not necessarily so my co-author erin you know she's like i did this book with um with a co-author and she's erin blevins yeah i went to hawaii with her with prove it way back in the day really yeah I just realized I've totally, now that I saw this on, saw that you say, Aaron, I was like, oh my gosh, I saw this on Facebook from both of your guys' posts. I didn't really. Amazing. And like, you should totally have her on the show next. I need, yes. To dig into that sports performance because she's a CrossFit um, competitor and she's just amazing. And like, I'm more like, you know, the nutrition and like, I have a certain focus with women and like, hormones well she's like a lot younger than me and she competes and her body is incredible and you know she can explain really well her experience with like training and in the book she does in the introduction speak about different applications of carnivore and training and different kinds 
of training and performance. I never even thought of that. Yeah, we did. Um, it was way back when Prove It was first like the beginning company. And so like her and I don't remember who it was. They were all doing CrossFit workouts for us on the beach and all sorts of stuff. It was back in my CrossFit days, which have long gone after several low back injuries and knee stuff. I'm like, I called it quits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I need my body and my practice to work. So I, I can't continue to deal with injuries from CrossFit. Oh goodness. So where can they find the book? So the book is on Amazon. And by the way, this is just a quick shout out to do better book. This is the second edition of the Keto Paleo Kitchen came out with a different name. So if you want to adapt to carnivore from, you know, being a conventional diet, this is a good in-between step. Okay. Name both of the books since this is audio. um, Okay. So one is the Essential Carnivore Diet Cookbook by Vivica Menegatz and Erin Blevins. And then the other one is Keto Cooking for Healing and Weight Loss. And that's just mine. Sweet. Awesome. Um, Where can they find you on social, your website, all that good stuff? So I'm um, being known for my blog and website, thenourishcaveman.com. And um, I am in on everything. I'm on Facebook, The Nourish Caveman. And um, I have a Facebook group and I have Instagram. There are a couple of really exciting things happening in the works right now. So yeah. by the time the podcast comes out, who knows where I'm going to be, but I'm rebranding a little bit. And yeah. so I'm expanding from just being keto and doing that. So into like a larger practice, working a lot more with mindset. Oh, I love it. Drama patterns and like guiding people through a deeper journey and including like wisdom coaching. I hate the term life coaching. So I haven't come up with what I really want to call it, but it's a whole life experience. Oh, so awesome. And so my new website is called journey to wholeness.love and it's journey number two wholeness.love. And that's going to be where the Nourish Caveman is still going to be a part of that. And then I'm going to start working mainly on Facebook in a Facebook group, a private group and Clubhouse is coming up. We need to connect on Clubhouse then. Yeah, let's host a room after the podcast. But yeah, let's totally like it. Find us together, Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> I um. Oh my god, I got so much going. It's just been um. They like again. My audience knows who I am. It's been it's been one hell of a year, right? And it's been I one know. hell of a four months. Like I just I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, God, I understand it. I I know I must have strong <laughs> shoulders, but I. I'm at my tipping point, right? I just so, moved. I also yeah. like in the process of everything. And like after 2020, I separated from my partner and he told me I had to leave. So I had to find a place in a hurry. And so much. The last but, three months is, have been crazy. <laughs> I know. And so that's where I told one of my friends that just had something really like blindside her yesterday. Right. And the same thing. And I was like, here's the reality. And we all know this universe conspires for us, not against us. So, um, there's been a lot of life lessons. Like I lost a friend in December and, uh, as a, a patient, I was talking to him yesterday about it. And I said, but he didn't die of COVID. He's like, no, he died with COVID. And I was like, that's, thank you for saying that. I'm like, he did, he died with COVID. He, and there's all this other stuff that was about it, but it's just like, it's the fact of, um, the universe is always working for us. God is always working for us. And at the end, God wins, like yes. truth prevails. God wins. So yeah, I hear you sister. 
(laughs) some stuff and hopefully we'll get this podcast out at some point with a new branded name it will happen (laughs) don't worry it's just a process like everything else (laughs) i get it all right so so great to have you here today vivica so great to reconnect i love talking with you thank you for having me back All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.